there. What's up, Cougar fans? Welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Tommy here. We talk CFC basketball on this show, and just a few days into the season, guess what? The Cougars are 2-0. and Here to break it all down with me this week is my guest, Everett German. You all know Ev. He's the voice of the Cougars on the radio broadcasts, on the live stream. I cannot think of many other people more tuned into the program than he is, so he is the perfect guest for this week because... We're trying to figure out what this team is. Um, obviously, great to be 2-0. and The Cougars have come up really strong in some areas maybe we didn't expect. And still trying to figure some things out in some other areas. I don't really know what to make of this team just yet. So Everett is the perfect guest to come on, help us make sense of all this. We're going to chat a little bit about the USC Upstate game, a lot more about the Georgia State game, which had some added drama to it. but. After that, we're going to chat about the big game on the horizon this week, which is that Oklahoma State game in TD Arena, nationally broadcast game on CBS Sports. Big test for the Cougars. We'll see if they can apply what we've learned so far about this team in the first two games to spring that upset against a Big 12 team coming into Charleston this week. Before I get to my conversation with Everett, I'll give you the usual call out. Make sure you check out holycityhoops.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Instagram, and especially if you like what you hear on this podcast, make sure you subscribe. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. On HolyCityHoops.com, we've got game previews, we've got game recaps, we live tweet during the games, we've got everything you need if you're a Cougar fan. Give us a follow, let us know what you think. Otherwise, without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to my conversation with Everett German. Hope you all enjoy. All right, I'm very pleased to welcome in the voice of the Charleston Cougars, Mr. Everett German. What's going on, man? Hey, Tommy. Good evening, man. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. I'm happy to have a, a college basketball team that's 2-0. and Yeah, you know, it's a lot of uh, teams that would love to exchange places uh, with Charleston up uh, to this point. And, you know, obviously still early in the season and Charleston still has many things to improve on. But at the end of the day, I'd rather uh, be improving and trying to become better as a team and be 2-0 and than, you know, obviously 0-2 or 1-1. You know, the way the CAA is looking, you kind of have to keep pace. It seems like everybody around the league is kind of winning games. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally happy that the Cougars are 2-0. and But I was chatting with you offline I don't know what to make of this team quite yet. And I, I think we're going to keep figuring some things out, especially with Wednesday's game. But uh, what are your first impressions just being on the sidelines during these first two games against USC Upstate and Georgia State? Well, I think the only thing that we know for sure is Grant Riller is a special player. Um, Grant Riller is going to score. He has the ability to take over a game you know, when he wants to. Um, but we also know that Grant Riller can't continue to log 38 minutes a game, uh, especially when, you know, I guess probably I'd say 25 of those came at the point guard position. Yeah. And you never want to put that much pressure on one particular person. Not that Grant can't handle it, but it's a long season. And you have to think uh, as we get deeper in the season and especially when the calendar turns to January, uh, teams know about Grant Riller. They've seen him now for four years. And I have to think that that motto will be, we don't care who beats us if Charleston beats us. It just won't be number one. 
Um, someone else will have to step up. And the first two games, we've had a couple of guys, you know, step up, whether it be Brevin Galloway or, you know, Zepp Jasper, um, you know, Sam Miller in some spots. But, yeah, I'm with you, Tommy. I don't know. There's still a lot of, you know, unknowns with this team. Um, I do like the grit and the determination of this squad and taking care of business, you know, in the game against Upstate and then just finding a way to win against a very good and athletic, you know, Georgia State team. Uh, sometimes you're not going to play your best, but if you can win despite that, that usually bodes well for you. That Georgia State game was was a weird game in a lot of ways between the fouls and Georgia State. I, I don't know what you heard from the sidelines, but from the broadcast, it seemed like there was a pretty uh, chippy team overall. And I don't know if it's if it's every season has a couple weird games like that. So I don't know if we're just getting ours out of the way early or if it's just that early season kind of funk that that the team can fall into. It just kind of came across, Tommy, as Georgia State kind of felt, hey, we're from the Sun Belt. You know, in their minds, they're from the better conference. They're the bigger team. They had more size. And it's kind of like they looked down on the little college of Charleston and didn't think that CFC would be able to play with them. Uh, I'm sure Georgia State thought that they could come in and just outmuscle uh, Charleston because of their physical size advantage that they had really in all positions except the Roberts kid, the point guard, who had a phenomenal day for them. So I'm sure, yeah, it may have been a situation where Georgia State wanted to flex their muscles and, uh, you know, give credit to our guys. They were determined not to get bullied not to be pushed around. And yeah, when you kind of feel like you're being disrespected and, and have someone looking down on you like the little brother, then yeah, that's going to obviously make you have a, a chip on your shoulder. That's a good point. Well, let's let's start with some of the positives from the season so far. You mentioned getting some help for Grant Riller. And to me, that was maybe the biggest question mark of the season is who's going to be that secondary scorer. And it seems like so far, it's going to be Brevin Galloway. Uh, he seems to kind of separated himself from the rest of the group. Do you think, do you see him at the end of the season being second on the team in scoring? I think so. You know, I had an opportunity to chat briefly with Brev uh, before the upstate game. And, you know, he was very confident in his, his approach to the game and said this year, it was not going to be any more uh, inconsistency. He knew he needed to step his game up. He knew what his role is, which is basically to uh, be able to be that number two score and then defensively, you know, come up with those steals and play, you know, solid defense. So right now through two games, I would have to say, yeah, either Brevin Galloway would be the leading, leading candidate, would be kind of 1A, and then 1B would be Zepp Jasper. He really has worked well on his game this summer. Uh, he kind of knows that that shot from the corner probably will be where he gets the majority of his shots because of Grant's ability to penetrate into the uh, paint and have the opposition uh, kind of collapse on him. And Grant, being the unselfish player that he is, will throw it to those guys in those spots. So we've seen Zep already this year, that catch-and-shoot three from the corner. He's not afraid to step up and you know take that shot and if we could get 50 points from that three of Riller, uh, Zepp, as well as Brevin Galloway, I think that's going to be the key uh, for Charleston. And then, of course, you have to have Jalen McManus, you know, give you six to eight. Sam Miller give you, you know, six to eight. And if we could get, you know, eight to ten rebounds a night from Osanachi Smart. And then the guys coming off the bench, whether it be a Reddish or, you know, a Tucker um, or, or Epps, I think that's the formula for Charleston to be successful this year. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned those those freshmen coming off the bench. That would be the other positive, I think, from the Georgia State game is 
you know, the team had their struggles defensively, but at the end of the game, it was Jalen Richard and D'Angelo Epps making two of the biggest plays down the stretch. So when the Cougars needed it, their defense was able to kind of step up. Yeah, you're right about that. And I completely forgot to mention, you know, Jalen Richard, uh, in terms of his offense, he absolutely, Tommy, has come on early on and uh, shown that he's definitely worked on his shot. His release point is as much you know, further or closer towards the basket than behind his head. Um, he's not afraid to, you know, obviously let it fly. We've seen his athleticism. So Jalen Richard, from an offensive and defensive standpoint, uh, going to be a very key component for this Charleston team this year. But you're right, and I asked Coach Grant on the postgame show about D'Angelo, uh, you know, Epps and his ability to have that anticipation to take two huge charges in that game against Georgia State. His offense is not where he wants it to be right now, but sometimes it's just the little things that you can do to contribute to this team. And D'Angelo Epps, he definitely is the kind of the new junkyard dog that got it kind of replaces, you know, Cam Johnson from years ago is the guy oh, yeah. that can. Uh, and even Marquise pointed to a certain degree last season. That's going to be your defensive stopper, a guy that you can put on a point guard or a small forward and know that he can handle his own uh, in, in that situation. Yeah, I love the I love the Cam Johnson comparison. He he is built like a Cam Johnson football type player as even as a true freshman. And uh, yeah, he doesn't show up on the box score very much yet, but he's he's doing the little things. Yeah, Tommy, that's the scary part. I mean, you know, Epps, he's all a six four, six five, like solid two twenty. Um, and I think right now he may be trying to do too much to fit in. So I think once he settles down, at least from the offensive standpoint. Once he kind of settles down and lets the game come to him, man, we're going to be in for a treat for the next four years uh, with Epps. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about some of the question marks I have, and I want to bounce some things off of you. The offensive rebounding allowed by this team, first in the USC Upstate game, they kind of turned it around in the second half. I think USC Upstate had seven or eight in the first half and then only one in the second. The Georgia State game, though, Georgia State was attacking the offensive glass with reckless abandon and very uncharacteristically, this Cougar team, there were so many extra opportunities for Georgia State. So I don't know what the remedy is for that in the front court. What's your take? Yeah, and speaking with the coaches, that is one of the areas that, you know, is some concern that has uh, an emphasis has been placed on that, that this year we definitely – are going to have to be a, a team rebounding team. Like you just can't rely on Sam Miller to get 12, you know, like he did in the first game and OC to get, you know, seven or eight here. Like even the guards, they all have to get in there and cut those guys out. That was a really athletic Georgia state team. And, you know, Tommy, I kind of compare them to a bigger, faster, better shooting version of Towson, um, a team that we'll see later on that, you know, not necessarily the best shooters. They had guys that could, you know, obviously every once in a while, put the ball in the hole from distance. But as you saw and heard and everybody else that was at the game, they wanted to just simply drop their head and get to the rim. And if they knew that yeah. they had to shoot a jump shot, you could see a couple of times, as soon as it left their hands, they knew that it wasn't going in and they would just take off and just attack the glass uh, relentlessly, like with no, no shame at all. Like they were determined to get those offensive rebounds. So granted, yeah, it is an issue now, but also, I don't think we'll see, once we get into conference play, I don't think we'll see a, a such aggressive offensive rebounding team and as athletic 
as that Georgia State team. And, you know, honestly, they had size. I mean, they had a couple of guys, 6'9", 6'10", uh, even their guards in the backcourt, you know, 6'4", 6'5". So from a height advantage, they definitely had the edge there. But as we all know, Tommy, sometimes it's just about the technique. And some of your better rebounders in basketball, like your, you know, your Charles Barkley's and your Dennis Rodman's, they're not necessarily the tallest, but they just know how to position themselves. They know how to cut out. They know how to make those guys jump over their back. And it's all about positioning and being able to see the flight of the basketball. So there's no doubt in my mind that Coach Grant and his staff, they'll continue to work on that. And hopefully they'll get better as the season goes on. There's going to be a handful of times this season where I think Jalen Richard is going to sky up above some 6'10 guy for a rebound. It's it's bound to happen. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, in those situations, especially when we're on defense and they're going for offensive rebounds, you know, there's always that drill that you do, Tommy, that, you know, you, you got five guys on defense, you got five guys on, on the outside. And basically the key is to let the ball hit the ground. That's because you're backing the guy away Box from the out, basket. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, you, you, we know Jalen Rashard has that capability to do that, but we'd much prefer him be on the inside and then go and get the ball where he doesn't have to jump necessarily over someone, you know, to kind of come up with the rebound. And then offensively, absolutely. If he's skying that high and getting a running start, you and I both know that he definitely has the ability to, well, just jump over somebody and finish with, uh, with authority. That's a good point. You know, the other thing, um, the other kind of negative from that Georgia State game was the technical fouls. And giving offensive rebounding is one way to give Georgia State extra opportunities to, to get back into the game or to get extra shots uh, from the line. But the technicals, especially from some older guys, Sam's a senior, Jalen's a senior, and O.C. is a fourth-year junior. So it's a little disappointing to see the emotions get the better of those front court guys, especially with how thin the Cougars are up front. But it was a little bit encouraging. It was guys like Epps and Riller and Richard who seemed to be the cooler heads in those scenarios. Did you see that at all? Well, I didn't. I would say the the technical file on Jalen McManus and Olsenachi were bogus. Yeah. Uh, Olsenachi, he slapped the the scores table. Oh, they're on, on the end line, but he was more frustrated with himself because that was the situation where the ball, he was going for the rebound. He had a hand on it and it went out of bounds. So he was more upset with himself and kind of slammed his hand. And what happened, Tommy, I don't know if you could see it on, on the on the video, but the Georgia State bench, they're the ones that started pointing and saying technical foul, technical yep. foul. Yep. The, the referee closest didn't even say it, yeah. Exactly. The one that was near, you know, Danny and I was the one that act, and it was so delayed. So that was, I thought, a little, you know, bogus. And then on Jalen McManus, he wanted a foul. He'd gotten knocked to the ground. He wasn't overly, you know, expressive and going at the referee. And even after the technical foul, because there was a timeout when he came back, he went to that official and said, hey, you know, I'm sorry, but I wasn't trying to be rude. I was just asking, you know, for the foul. And that was that. So those two I'm not so concerned about. Sam Miller is a different situation because Sam definitely needs to get his his emotions in check. And Coach said it uh, on the post game show. He wants those guys to you know play with emotion, but not be emotional. And Sam yeah. really needs to be careful because he's going to get that reputation from the officials as somebody who cries or complains after every call. And I think vividly back to one in the Upstate game where he clearly fouled the guy, like just clearly. He kind of protested, threw his hands up in the air, like, what What did I do? And we saw the replay. I mean, it was just simply an obvious foul. 
you know, and those are the ones. And then the taunting and talking to the opponents. I know, again, you got that chip on your shoulder, but you got to be smart. And there's actually another play, you know, on the, the film after I believe he got the first one where he kind of made a motion uh, or kind of got a little verbal jab with the Georgia State guys and probably had the officials been looking closely, probably could have warranted another technical foul. So, yeah, something definitely needs to be done because we need Sam Miller. I mean, he's he's a post player. He can he's a stretch for he can do, you know, rebound. He can shoot it from the outside, inside. Probably one of the best big passing man that I've seen in some time. Yeah. Always has a ton of assists, but he does us no good if he's in foul trouble. And yeah, you can't get you can't foul on a, a shooting attempt. So that's two free throws. Pick up a technical foul. That's two more free throws and give the team back. I mean, that's a potential seven-point play, you know, if everything works in the opponent's favor. So I'm sure, sure Coach and, and the guys and his teammates will talk to Sam and say, hey, guys, no, sometimes you just got to let it go. It's not worth it. Just move on to the next play and uh, make your presence felt there. Yeah, yeah, I kind of had an eye on on Sam after he got the tech in the Upstate game, and he he does show emotion in a good way too. Like he's always – dabbing up guys after they make a big play he's high five and oc after like a steal but yeah i don't want him to get that reputation because of what you said he is so valuable to the team but going back to oc i thought the georgia state game was maybe best game he's played as a cougar i know the offensive production still isn't there yet but the moment didn't seem too big for him in this game and i think game after game we'll see him get a little bit more comfortable and and hopefully he can give maybe 80% of what Nick Harris gave last year or something like that. Exactly. And just a situation where know your role, just do what you do best. What this team needs from OC is rebounding and defense. And more importantly, being on the floor, you know, you just can't afford to have him in foul trouble. Um, that just does no one any good. So from that standpoint, yes, if OC can just continue, and again, you got to remember, he has hardly played up until this mm -hmm. point. So this is new territory for him. You know, he's starting. We know he's going to give maximum effort. He's a big body, a big physical presence. Just needs to use that to his advantage. And then on offense, you know, his offense could consist of uh, putbacks, you know, offensive rebounds, layups. That's where, you know, he can be his most effective. Of course, I'm sure everybody – remembers the shot against Georgia State late in the game yeah. down two. That was just not his – that's not his game. You know, yes, he was open, but as I often say sometimes, Tommy, if you're that open, it's for a reason yeah. because the Scott report is saying that you're not a jump shooter. So I think he just got kind of got caught up in the moment. The guards kind of put him in a bad situation, throwing it to him over there and then kind of leaving him. But he'll learn from that mistake. OC is probably one of the smartest guys on the team. He'll learn from it. And uh, you're right. I think if he can just settle down and rebound and play defense, he could be a huge, huge, huge uh, key player uh, to this team this season. He's such a big presence there. Um, yeah, I thought offensively in the USC Upstate game, I thought there was a little bit of too much like watch Grant Riller and wait for something to happen kind of offense. But maybe there's a little bit more flow in the Georgia State game. Um with the front court being what it is, I think the Cougars will probably have to shoot better uh, from the field to kind of make up for that. But maybe we're starting to see signs of, you know, better ball movement, finding the open guy, that sort of thing. I think in that situation in game one, coach said he didn't want to run too much offense uh, right. because he kind of felt that, you know, they should be able to get by 
uh, with just running their motion, you know, and making plays and letting these guys kind of figure it out. And I believe I'm not mistaken. We had five guys in double figures and just putting that situation where, you know, yeah, we know that Grant can be the savior, but there's going to be times that Grant's going to, hopefully not, but be in foul trouble or need a blow. And so those guys are going to have to, yeah, not just stand around and, and be a spectator and not turn this into, you remember Tommy back in the old Laker days when it, we used to say it was Colby, it was one on nine. Colby oh, yeah. against the other five and his four teammates. We just can't get in the habit of standing and watching. However, when Grant is doing his thing at the top of the key, if he commands a double team or a triple team, once he gets into the paint, that's when these guys have got to be ready to catch, shoot, convert, put the ball on the floor, one dribble pull-ups, do whatever they need to do. they got to convert because the more that they can do that, the more they'll earn Grant's trust and he'll be willing to, instead of having 28 points and two assists, he'll have 20 points and six assists, which, as crazy as it sounds, that's better for him to have 20 to 22 and you know five to seven assists a game as opposed to just dominating the scoring uh, you know, having 30 points, but not getting his teammates involved in the game. I agree completely. Uh, on the Kobe point, yeah, he had Andrew Gowdelock open in the corner quite a bit and just uh, just couldn't find him on those Lakers. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Zepp not being there for most of this game hurts that because I feel like, as you mentioned, Zepp is, is kind of that release valve uh, and, and can knock down a, a three. Sam's shot hasn't really fallen quite yet. Same with Jalen. Um, it seems like Brevin's kind of the only one who's been able to cash in. But um, I do think Grant is, you know, showing his passing ability so far this season. But that Georgia State game was just particularly tough because he had to play so many minutes at the point. I know he struggled with with turnovers and they were just harassing him full court because they knew Zepp wasn't coming back into that game. Yeah, and you think about his shots. There was a couple of shots late down the stretch that came up short which is just because he had tired legs. I mean, he played 38 yeah. minutes the entire second half, and when you're in a close game like that against a team like Georgia State, you know, there's a big difference in, you know, taking a one-minute breather and, you know, <laughs> just letting him, letting him stay out there the entire 20 minutes because, you know, you can lose a game in that one little stretch. So I'm sure going forward, and Coach and his staff, they do a great job, if you notice, right as media timeouts are coming up, Tommy, they'll try to sub Grant out to get kind of steal some some minutes. So, for instance, mm -hmm. as you know, that first media timeout comes at, you know, 16, then the next one's at 12. So normally, you know, he'll play through that whole first, you know, four minutes. Then that next stretch, probably like around the 13, about the 13-minute mark, if there's a dead ball, they'll try to get Grant out so you can get that one minute plus the media timeout and then kind of bring him back in. So you're, you're kind of stealing minutes by using the media timeout, you know, to your advantage. That works the majority of the times, but there's sometimes that these guys are going to have to figure it out, uh, you know, when Grant's on the bench. And when you have a lineup of Jasper, you know, Galloway, Richard in the backcourt, and let's just say McManus and Miller, that's a lineup that can score the basketball. There should not be, you know, a huge yeah. drop off if Riller's on the bench trying to, you know, get a one minute, two minute, three minute uh, blow. So these guys, they know how to play. They all uh, you know, have that experience. And I'm I'm really excited about this Brendan Tucker. We've not seen him a lot, you know. Yeah. I just think his from a practice standpoint, they want him to practice, you know, a little better, a little harder. But once Tucker gets in and he's starting to, I think Coach Man is slowly but surely trying to incorporate him into it. But he has to earn his minutes. He's got to have to play defense. But from an offensive standpoint, I mean, this kid is he's pretty talented. 
um, and he can absolutely fill it up. He's just going to have to do the other things as well. Also kind of understand that, you know, you got Rashard in front of you, you got, got uh, Grant Riller, you got Brevin Galloway, just kind of come in. But when you get your 10 to 15 minutes a game, make those productive. And if you can get 10 points in, in 15 minutes, that's that's the role that you need to play this season to make this team uh, special. You know, I, I forget if it was you or Danny who mentioned it on the broadcast, but the advice to Brendan was take a look at what D'Angelo Epps is doing to, to see playing time and try to mimic that. Like you see Epps getting charges, um, playing good defense, rebounding, doing all those little things. It sounds like if, if Tucker can start doing that, then uh, Earl Grant's going to loosen up that leash a little bit because, yeah, in limited minutes, and he, he got some guts of the game minutes against Georgia State, he can drive. He he was letting it fly from three. I don't know if he, if he hit one or not, but he, he's got some Grant Riller to his game. Exactly. And, you know, from a scoring standpoint, he has the capability and the makeup of being just like Grant Riller. But you always you got to stay ready. You got to be ready when your numbers call. And we saw against Georgia State, you're always a sprained ankle away from having yeah. your number called. And you have to be in the game and, you know, mentally, physically know what's going on. You know, take the challenge on defense and understand there's some games that, heck, you might only score two or four points, but you get your job you did your job on the defensive end. And then there'll be those nights that, you know what, it's flying, it's feeling good. You're getting to the rim, you're getting to the free throw line, and you'll end up with 12 to 14 points. But you're a freshman. I know you're used to being the man in high school, but this is Division One college basketball, and it's not like you're going to a, you know, a pull-down D1 team. You're going to a pretty good mid-major team that has done a great job of 180-ing this program and turning it into one of the top mid-major programs in the country. So again, you understand that, but you have to be ready when your uh, when your time comes. It's funny. I I wrote a little bit about in that first game. Epps, Reddish, and Tucker all had like their welcome to the NCAA moments. They they either got blocked at the rim, or they turned the ball over, or they just turned their head and lost a guy on a backdoor cut. So I'm I'm glad that Grant is letting them learn on the fly because then you apply that to your next practice. You try you you kind of know where you stand. And hopefully these guys kind of have a, a leap sort of like what we're seeing out of Richard where, you know, he get, you get some spot minutes and then you're dependent on and you just your role kind of grows. Yeah. And think about Jalen Richard last year. I mean, we knew that he could play and he got, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. Yeah, he probably wanted more, but he understood that he was playing with some pretty good basketball players. Just kind of buy your time. And but when he got his opportunity, you know, he came out and made the most of it. And that's how you get increased minutes. Right now, the non-conference schedule, yeah, it's good to be you know, 2-0 and get a couple of wins. And, you know, we'll have some opportunities coming up here, whether it be, you know, Oklahoma State or Richmond or VCU or Wake Forest or whoever we might play out in California. But it all comes down to January and, Febu uh, January and February. And hopefully whatever you learn now, that can translate over to conference, conference uh, play time because that's when we're really going to need you and if you can hold your own and gain valuable experience now, I promise you, there's nobody as good in the in the CAA in terms of having this much size and speed and talent and you know and shooters. You know, in CAA, you might have you know maybe one or two players on a team where these teams, you know, they're three, four, five. They're at power five schools. So use this as a loan, uh, a teachable moment, learning moment, and then translate that into uh, a positive season come conference play time. Well, there is going to be a big test coming to TD Arena on Wednesday. 
It is the rematch with Oklahoma State. I know VCU has is in the top 25, but I think the casual fan is going to be pretty happy to see a Big 12 team coming into TD Arena this year. And this team last year had their chances against Oklahoma State. I think they were up five or six in the first half, and then Oklahoma State was like, we're bigger, we're faster, we're going to step on on the gas now. But um, what do you see as the keys to, to Charleston maybe springing the upset in this game? Well, the one thing in... And I thought it was huge on Saturday was the atmosphere in the crowd. Um, I think that last five minutes, the crowd was definitely into the game and you know, kind of provided that six-man boost that they needed, especially in a situation where you feel like you have nothing else, you're running out of gra- a gas, and you have you know, the crowd there to cheer you on. So from that standpoint, if they can get the crowd in the game, keep them engaged, I mean, it's a late-night start, Tommy. It starts yeah. at 9 o'clock, so... A lot of our people may already, that's probably past their bedtime. So from that standpoint, we have to capture that. But also, you know, I think Oklahoma State, they'll be bigger. Um, and so we want to make it kind of an up and down game and use our speed to our advantage. And especially in the front court, you know, having an Epps or McManus or McMillan be able to beat those guys down the floor and then, you know, get easy easy buckets because the one way to negate size is well with by speed. So we could do that. And then just guard and defend, you know, we're going to have to gang uh, defend. If somebody gets past the initial guy, help defense is going to have to be there. And then rebounding as always, I mean, every game rebounding is going to be key. Once again, a bigger uh, in terms of physical size team than Charleston. So they're going to have to be fundamentally sound you know, kind of get them out of their game, try to frustrate them by just like the little pesky guys, the smaller guys running around them and and making them work a little harder and just wear them down that way. If we do that, we got a chance, Tommy. And I mean, it's no secret. You always have to shoot the basketball, shoot it well. And if they have the trees in the middle, we don't. If they're hitting twos, we're hitting threes. You know, that's a plus one. Hopefully we can have one of our better shooting nights from, you know, behind the arc. And uh, we do that, we got a chance. And uh, with this this group of kids, I'll put nothing past them. I just give them give them a chance in that last five minutes, and then just see what happens. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, Grant Riller actually didn't have a great game uh, in Stillwater last year. I think Brantley kind of carried the team. I think Riller was was kind of struggling with their length and and their speed. But if he if he has one of his marquee games, and I couldn't have said it better. The need to defend and rebound as a as a group because you are going to be you're going to have a disadvantage size wise, and I would love if we had a good shooting night. So everybody pray to the shooting gods because I'm not sure the Cougars could survive a a putrid shooting night against a team as talented as Oklahoma State. And you're right, Tommy. They I can't remember who the defender was, but I think he was more like six five, six six, long arms, just a typical Big 12 player, and, you know, contested a lot of Grant shots, never gave him a clean look, they did a good job of ganging up on him. So that being said, you have to think, you know, Mike Boynton, a great basketball coach, played at South Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Mike is from South Carolina as well. That'll be the same strategy as well. You know, you don't have Brantley anymore that you have to worry about, so all the attention can be on number one. That being said, if I'm you know, Jalen Rashard, Brevin Galloway, Sam Miller, uh, Jalen McManus, you know, Fs. anybody that's going to see minutes, and, and Zep Jasper, anybody that's going to see minutes, hopefully they're just getting tons of shots up, you know, tomorrow and Tuesday because they're going to have the opportunity to have big, big, big nights because so much attention is going to be paid towards Grant. Grant will give it up. 
the question is, will the guys be able to knock down shots? If it's two-on-one on Grant, that means it's got to be four-on-three going the other way. We have to make them pay when they try to double-team uh, Grant Riller. Zepp said he's uh, he's good to go. Um, Sam, Jalen, Brevin, those guys were all all played big in, in that game in Stillwater. They were all on the court. They saw what this team can do. So I agree. I think they should be getting their shots up, and they will have their opportunities, and hopefully they can they can pull it out. But uh, – Ev, I've, I've, you've been generous with your time so far, so I'll let you go. Is there anything you want to leave the people with? No, nah, of course we uh, just want need everybody to come out. I know the game is on you know, CBS Sports Network, but we need people in the in the stands there at TD Arena and, and be loud um, and just cheer this team on and, and just be patient with this team. It's a new team, you know. You lost one guy to the to the NBA and you got a lot of young talent. These kids, you know, trying to blame the young talent with you know, the holdover being Grant Ruler. And uh, like I said, just be patient and just understand that it's going to be a good season. It's going to be a really good season. Uh, but like I said, right now we're, we're just working through the kinks. But again, we're working through the kinks 2-0 and as opposed to 1-1 and or 0-2. That's absolutely right. Yeah, get out there, get some coffee in you. It might be a delirious atmosphere in TD Arena with the fans going crazy and it being 10 o'clock at night or whatever it's going to be. Uh, but it should be a good one. Always good to have the big boys come to TD Arena. And before I forget, also, it's maroon night, Tommy. So they want yes. everyone to wear maroon so we can maroon out the uh, the Cowboys. And I'd like to challenge us to have a bigger crowd than they had last year in Stillwater when we went to uh, play at Oklahoma State. So if I'm not mistaken, they may have had, I don't know, maybe 3,000, 3,500 you know, at their game. I remember it was the Sunday after Oklahoma State had played West Virginia uh, in football, which mm-hmm. is the, their stadium is right adjacent to the the basketball arena. But uh, but yeah, I'd like to get four thousand, five thousand out there and, and just be loud. It'll look good on TV, and you never know who's watching. I mean, there could be. I'm sure there'll be a ton of recruits that Charleston's going after. That the coaching staff will say, "Hey, we're going to be on TV. We're on CBS Sports." You know, network, tune in, and we want to make sure we give a, a good representation of what Charleston basketball is like, also what the support is like. So come out and see the Cougars battle the Cowboys, and if for some reason you can't make this one, make sure you catch uh, the next game because there'll be plenty of opportunities to see the Cougars this season there at TD Arena. I watched a few minutes of the UNCW-UNC game in Wilmington, and it was a wild atmosphere. So I, I will not let my school get punked by UNCW in terms of game atmosphere. Everybody better be at TD Arena and be loud and uh, get ready to cheer your Cougars off. There you go. You got no reason to be late because the game tips at 9 o'clock, so you got time to go home, have dinner with the uh, family, and if you can't bring the kids because it is a school night, grab your neighbor, grab somebody from your office, take Thursday off, take a personal day, so that way you can come out and, uh, and, and share. So we'll put forth our best effort, Tommy. And yeah, man, looking forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me on the uh, broadcast. Of course. Yeah. Everett, thanks as always for joining and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Tommy.